today on Laura Lynn and Friends. So within the next few months, uh, again, I think you should expect big monetary crises and also a relentless propaganda campaign demonizing cash as a tool for terrorists, as a tool for drug dealers, as a tool for human traffickers and tax cheats and all the rest of it. Uh, so be aware, I think that's just around the corner. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the beginning of the last days. It is so good to be with you. I know I sound like I'm in a bit of an echo, so please forgive that. Um, I was pondering all of the things that we're seeing happening. I'm actually listening to some people predicting some pretty tumultuous times economically in America and in Canada. Our um, Canadian dollar is at $1.39, $1.40 or up to $1.43, I just heard from a Canadian. Um, so depending on um, the day that you go and try to change your American your Canadian money into American. How does it make you feel, Canada, that our Prime Minister continues to spend money like he's got the world is his oyster? And our dollar is terrible. Our buying power is terrible. This is not a good thing. And so I don't have my, my dad's Bible with me down here, and I always like to read something from my dad's Bible, but I do have mine, of course, and I never leave home without it, just like my MasterCard, sadly, for my husband. Um, so Matthew 24, 22 said, if those days, this is the chapter where Jesus speaks about the end of days, the, the end, like it's all coming to an end. The world as we know it will not be the same, and things begin to happen that put the return of Christ into play. Uh, it says this, Matthew 24, 22, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. I kind of feel like I wonder if we're getting there. And I have an amazing guest. His name is Alex Newman, and he is an award-winning international journalist, educator, author, and consultant. Alex has written for a wide array of publications in the United States and abroad. He currently serves as a contributor to the Epic Times. I love the Epic Times, WND, World Net Daily, Freedom Project Media, The New American Magazine, The Law Enforcement Intelligence Brief, and more. He has authored and co-authored several books and serves as a director for multiple organizations in the fight for faith, family, and freedom. So Alex Newman, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. And we welcome you once again to our show because uh, you always seem to have a handle on what's happening. And there are some dire stories coming out um, on a lot of levels. The, the political scene, our money um the the sense of our world you know and our principles being turned upside down so i think we can talk a lot about a lot of things but tell me what you've sort of been pondering and writing about lately uh, it was great to be here thank you so much laura lynn uh, always an honor to be on your program um you know the, the two things that have been at the forefront of my mind just over the last week or so just because of uh, you know the current events We've got, of course, the World Economic Forum with Mr. Klaus Schwab and uh, also <laughs> the uh, the Declaration of North America by uh, Justin Trudeau, Joe Biden and uh, Presidente uh, Lopez Obrador down in Mexico. Uh, these are huge stories. And um, unfortunately, the, the fake media, the lying media, the dishonest propaganda media is not touching them. And so it really falls on people like us, Laura Lynn, to, to make the American people and the Canadian people aware of what is happening behind the scenes. Wow. And so tell me something. Um, 
like you're you're in America right now and when I'm watching the news even the the mainstream media uh, seems to be going okay it's not looking very good and you see they were always behind Biden I mean this is a mess what's happening with Biden all of these uh, papers that they're finding with him how do you think they're going to treat him as opposed to Donald Trump and what how is this going to affect the world well, I think there's a few things going on here, Laura Lynn. First of all, I, I don't think that the media suddenly grew a conscience or that suddenly they, um, you know, they, they have uh, principles or anything like that. Uh, there's a reason why they're exposing Joe Biden like this. Obviously, this is a crime of enormous proportions. Um, and in fact, it's even worse than the media is letting on. He had all these documents at his house. Uh, these are, you know, top secret, some of them compartmentalized uh, documents that nobody's allowed to be looking at. Uh, flagrantly illegal to even have them. Then you add to that the fact that they're at his home with his ultra corrupt crackhead son, Hunter Biden, who incidentally was paying him $50,000 a month rent. Um, and, you know, what we know from the Hunter Biden laptop is that, first of all, Hunter Biden had fake business dealings with Ukrainian, suspicious Ukrainian people, uh, and also very suspicious Chinese officials. In fact, in one uh, audio clip that was taken off his laptop, I think it was a, a voice message, he said, um, you know, I'm in business, I'm a business partner with the blankety-blank uh, spy chief of China. So on the one hand, he's doing these fake business deals, right? He's getting $50,000 a month to serve on the board of Burisma Holdings, this uh, Ukrainian gas company that also uh, owned by uh, Ukrainian billionaire oligarch Igor Kolomoisky, who ended up creating Zelensky with his TV programs. Uh, and then you have uh, also from the laptop, this incredible revelation that the big guy, that would be Joe Biden, was getting 10% off the top of all these corrupt deals, right? That's why people wanted Hunter Biden on the board because he's connected to his dad who was at that time vice president, now president. So uh, huge corruption here, but I think there's more to the story than meets the eye, Laura Lynn. I suspect that the media and even the politicians who are throwing him under the bus are doing so for an ulterior purpose. It looks like Biden has now become a liability to the left and to the deep state. So I think they're throwing him under the bus, making way for the next puppet teleprompter reader to come on in and take his place. Oh, I don't have sound, Laura Lynn. Do you think that that means that they would remove him, um, Alex, or will and put Cam Camilla um, Kamala? Kamala um, into place, or will they just leave him there to serve out the two years, just kind of shut him down a lot? Uh, we'll have to see how it goes. That, that, that I think would be one option for him to be removed from office. Um, another, you know, he had announced that he was thinking about running in 2024, and this may just be kind of a shot across the bow. Don't even think about it, right? We're not going to do that. Um, you know, Obama is still calling a lot of the shots behind the scenes. And of course, Obama is not acting alone. But uh, Obama uh, has a house not too far from the White House. They, they, it's almost like a little command center for uh, the radical left and communist forces of the deep state in Washington, D.C. And um, I have it on good authority that they want uh, Michelle Obama to run for president, potentially as soon as 2024. And so this may just be a, a warning to Joe Biden. Look, you know, um, stop while you're ahead. And if you don't, we're going to destroy you. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But I think it's a real possibility that he's removed before the end of his term. Uh, I think it's also a possibility that uh, this is just a, a very strong message to him to uh, watch what he's doing because they can destroy him at any time. So um, I have heard this rumor about Michelle Obama. So that would be quite um, quite a battle between Trump and Michelle Obama. Like they would be at least pulling out 
someone that might be popular with the left and considering that Obama's, I mean, with Joe Biden, it was like they had four years and they came up with their worst possible person already going into dementia and put him in. None of that made sense. But uh, Michelle might be sort of a, a bit of a, a bit of a foe, but nonetheless, we know it's all corrupt because it goes right back to Obama and he'll still be running the show through his wife. Yep. Uh, and, and of course, Obama is, uh, you know, a creature of very, very powerful forces. I mean, Obama is not the top of the pyramid. Uh, you know, he, he serves uh, as an integral part of this deep state network. And this is, is an international network of people. Um, Obama is just one manifestation of this. But yeah, I, I think they would very much like to have Michelle Obama in there, uh, very controllable, very much uh, like minded. And uh, certainly another opportunity for Obama, who did so much for their cause of undermining and fundamentally transforming and ultimately destroying the United States of America. Uh, they would love to have somebody like that in the White House. Uh, and it would be really be a, a spit in the face of all Americans, right? She has made her contempt for this nation very well known over and over and over again. She hates America and she says so regularly. So it would be just the ultimate poke in the eye to the American people like, you know, hey, we're going to make her the president anyway. Uh, I don't think she could win on her own merits, but combined with the vote fraud and a lot of fake media propaganda um, and, and maybe an arrest of Donald Trump, we'll see. Um, you know, it's certainly within the realm of possibility. So the other thing, uh, you you being down there and it's you're in that beautiful state of Florida. First of all, let me just say your governor is a rock star, isn't he? He is. He, he certainly was the best of all the governors in the United States throughout the duration of the pandemic. Um, he, uh, he was very good in terms of standing up to Joe Biden, um, very good in terms of protecting Floridians and the rights of Floridians from the lawlessness coming out of Washington, D.C., uh, and even from some of our own local governments, right? Uh, some of our own local governments here in Florida tried to uh, impose some of these crazy, illegal, unconstitutional, uh, and totally ridiculous mandates on us. And um, uh, fortunately, Ron DeSantis repeatedly came through. Um, you know, Ron DeSantis used to be my congressman. We have spent a lot of time in his office uh, teaching him about the Constitution. And, um, you know, he's a good guy. Uh, I, I always go back to the, the, I the Bible some hesitancy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I always say uh, the Bible tells us to put not our trust in princes, but rather in the Lord. Uh, so I think that's good. But as far as, as uh, governors in this country, there, there's no question that DeSantis has been the best. Um, some concerns about some of his endorsements in this um, 2022 election uh, in, in several really high profile races. He endorsed uh, the liberal against the conservative, which was disappointing. Um, but no, ultimately, he, he really has been uh, a fighter. I wish he would go further on some things, but certainly he's done better than any other governor in this country. And he's given really a, a powerful lesson to the rest of the Republican governors that, hey, not only can you stand up against this, you'll be rewarded greatly uh, in political terms for doing so. Right. He just won reelection in a landslide. Uh, and that showed once and for all that Americans really do want a fighter who's going to stand up against this madness. Right. I hear that a lot of people are moving to Florida. And so in spite of the fact that there is a downturn in real estate, a cooling of the real estate market, and that is definitely true in Canada, um, in Vancouver, British Columbia area, prices are down over $300,000 across the board. Nobody's buying, everything's gone quiet. I'm hearing there's some cooling down in the States, but do you think, how do you think Florida would fare in light of some of the, the difficulties that we're seeing with our money situation and um, potentially inflation increasing, what, what do you think might happen? 
Well, I, I think Florida real estate is better positioned than the real estate in most places uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them that we're getting a thousand new immigrants from other states every single day, right? Uh, they're flooding down here from New York, from New Jersey, from Illinois, from uh, Pennsylvania, right? All, all these high tax, big government states. Um, people are fleeing those states and, and a lot of them are coming to Florida. Even a lot of the billionaire tech people from California are coming here. And, and as long as they leave their crazy politics behind, happy to have them. You know, that's good. But um, and, and I've actually experienced some of this. So we're actually trying to build a house right now and we still can't find a builder because they're all so busy. So uh, I think Florida will fare better from a real estate perspective than most of the country. But I do think that the economic turmoil that's coming um, probably just right on the horizon uh, is going to be catastrophic for all of America. And Florida is not going to be uh, insulated from that. And in fact, Florida may be in, in some ways a little bit more vulnerable than other states because so much of our economy depends on tourism, not just from around the country, but from around the world. And, um, mm. you know, in a really bad economy, people stop traveling. So um, we do have agriculture. We do have some manufacturing. We do have some other industries here. But uh, really, tourism is one of the, the backbones of the Florida economy. And if things get really rough here, you know, that, that will certainly have a ripple effect. But I, I do think we're headed into some really serious problems with inflation, with the value of the dollar, with the stock market. And, um, and, and even beyond that, you know, to the point of, uh, food shortages, which are already developing around the world. Uh, I think a lot of Americans are just clueless. I think that none of those things could ever affect us here. But, um, you know, I, I think we are potentially headed for some really tough economic turbulence and people ought to be prepared. Right. So how, how do we prepare? Uh, people might be saying right now, like I've heard that uh, somebody just put out something today. I think Mike Adams on cryptocurrency uh, sounding an alarm. And then we've just watched this. Was it the FTX debacle that just happened? Um, like, what What do you think that people, uh, we don't want to, you know, we both agree that we don't want to give financial advice, but um, people might be wondering, like, how do I safeguard myself? Yeah, that's a good question, Laura Lynn. And like you said, you know, neither of us are financial advisors. Nobody should construe our comments as financial advice. But um, and I say that every time somebody asks me, you know, what, what do we do? I, I really don't know. But I'll tell you what I did. Right? Uh, my wife and I have taken our little meager savings and we put it in gold and silver in uh, uh, rural property, right? rural real estate. Um, small stock portfolio, not too significant, a, a few bonds here and there. Uh, and then also, you know, things that seem uh, a little bit non-traditional from an investment point of view, um, long-term storable food, uh, beans, rice, bullets, uh, you know, other things that may come in handy. You know, in Florida, we don't really have an issue with water. Uh, there's water absolutely everywhere. But, uh, you know, if you live in Arizona or, you know, Nevada or something like that, uh, you may want to consider making sure that you have access to water no matter how crazy things get. Um, but yeah, I mean, th those are the things that I have chosen to do, um, you know, whether that's a good idea or not, um, well, let the, the viewers decide, but uh, I do think it would be very wise to start preparing for, uh, some really, really serious economic turbulence as far as the U S dollar goes. Uh, and of course, Canada is kind of connected to us, you know, if what hurts the U S will hurt Canada, uh, and you know, the stock market as well. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you've been watching as Jacinda has resigned or she's not going to go forward. Um, she was such a great puppet for them. She clearly was sold out to whatever stupid, ignorant agenda they had, forcing the vaccines and, and, and uh, you know, just being such a brutal, tyrannical leader. Why do you think in tears she's resigning? Is it because are they, is it not working with them? 
It's a good question, um, and, and I know there's been a lot of speculation. I'm really not sure, but, um, you know, th there seems to be quite a few of these people who are now starting to re-examine things. Uh, they got so much pushback at this latest um, confab in Davos, this latest uh, meeting of the World Economic Forum. Um, I, I don't think any of them were expecting that. In fact, uh, I understand a lot of people decided not to show up. Um, the ones who did show up, uh, in many cases, were pestered with legitimate questions from legitimate journalists that, of course, they did not want to answer. Uh, Albert Bourla being chased around by Rebel News asked real questions. Uh, that was one of the highlights of my day. Um, you know, kudos to those guys, uh, Ezra Levant and, and the rest of the team. I've been on Ezra's show. I think very highly of him and the work that he does. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's what journalists should be doing. But I don't think the World Economic Forum crowd was expecting that. And this is happening all over the world, uh, Lorlin. People are waking up. People are absolutely sick of this stuff. Uh, that's why the World Economic Forum won't let you comment on their posts anymore. That's why YouTube got rid of the thumbs down thing. Every time the, the World Economic Forum puts some dumb thing up there, uh, it's you know a thousand downvotes to every one upvote. So uh, these agendas are extraordinarily unpopular. These people like to portray themselves as world leaders, as Mr. Klaus Schwab says, um, and yet you know they're not really leading anybody. I mean, they're extraordinarily unpopular. The World Economic Forum is politically toxic now. Uh, I mean, even your uh, conservative leader down there. Uh, Mr. Pierre uh, has said that, uh, you know, we're not going to have these World Economic Forum people serving in our government and flying over to Davos and getting their marching orders. Uh, the same thing is true here in America. People are sick of this. And I would imagine the same thing is true in New Zealand as well. Right. Um, well, we do have this video I wanted to run by you. And basically, the new leader now uh, in, you know, in New Zealand, um, you know, he's been known to basically say, that he is fully going to support mandating these vaccines. Maybe we can roll the clip and I'll get your feedback. I think early next year we'll be in the phase of chasing up people who haven't come forward to get their vaccination or have missed their bookings and so on. So uh, everyone will be able to get a vaccine between now and the end of the year. Uh, but of course, you know, and, and I want every New Zealander to come forward, but human behaviour suggests that there will be some people that we have to actually really go out and look for, uh, and, and some of that may spill into next year. But our commitment is everyone will have the opportunity to get the vaccine by the end of the year. Uh, everyone will, uh, but I, I can't say that, you know, that we're not going to have some hesitant people or some people who just haven't come forward that we don't have to go out and find next year. How terrifying. Yeah, that aged well, right? <laughs> I mean, at, at this point, everybody who's not living under a rock knows that uh, these injections not only didn't prevent any kind of transmission or disease, but uh, they're now associated with massive levels of uh, side effects and damage. So, um, yeah, that, it's kind of awkward to be on video saying something as insane as that. I mean, even if they worked, it would be insane to say something like that. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in, in New Zealand, how they keep end up, ending up with people like this. But I guess we in America with Joe Biden can't speak, nor can uh, you guys in Canada with Justin Trudeau. Uh, I suspect there's uh, irregularities in the voting process, not just um, in the United States, but in many other places as well. And, uh, you know, th those kinds of words. Uh, you know, th that kind of stuff should conjure up images of uh, a lot of what we saw in the last century, the 20th century, with uh, the National Socialists in Germany, with the, the mass murdering communists in China, uh, with Joseph Stalin. Right. Th that's the kind of mindset where you're going to hunt people down, chase people down and inject them with things, whether they want it or not. Uh, that's the kind of mindset that leads to concentration camps and gulags and uh, Dr. Joseph Mengele's medical experiments. Right. That's the that's the thought process of a savage, of a barbarian. 
barbarian uh, with no moral compass, who has no respect for the rights of individuals. Uh, and it needs to be universally condemned by everyone, regardless of where they stand on the political spectrum. Uh, it's simply unacceptable. You do not get to talk like that about your fellow human beings. If you want to go inject 80,000 things into yourself, by all means, do it, right? You own your body. But don't talk like that about other people. It's inappropriate, ridiculous, and disgusting. 100%. Um, cashless society, are we heading there? And what are the dangers? Some people say, okay, well, we don't have to have cash anymore. Um, you know, what's so bad about that other than, you know, you won't be able to go to garage sales perhaps in the same way. But the fact is paying cash will be absolutely gone and they'll know everything about us. What, what do you think? That's the direction that they have been moving in for as long as I've been in journalism, Laurelyn. Uh, I, I actually wrote uh, some major articles about this back in 2010, 2011, 2012, long before any COVID had ever existed. And um, it, they they made it very clear, right? In 2012, they actually formed this bizarre alliance called Better Than Cash. And uh, the Ford Foundation, which has worked very closely with the Central Intelligence Agency over the decades, uh, the United Nations, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the credit card company processes, uh, processors, they all were on board, even mass murder and communist dictatorships, right? The, the, the regime in Vietnam, for example, was one of the founding partners on this thing. Um, they came out and they said, we need to move to a cashless society. We need to abolish cash and move toward digital payments. Uh, and even at the time, their arguments were patently ridiculous. Right? They said, this is going to eliminate global poverty. How in the world is getting away from cash going to eliminate poverty? They didn't even bother to explain because it's just a nonsensical statement that makes no sense at all. But uh, they do have this agenda of moving in that direction. Uh, the Bank for International Settlements, which is one of the most important institutions that uh, most Americans, most Canadians have never heard of. It's based in Switzerland. It's kind of the central bank for central banks. Uh, they've been coordinating this process now for a long time, the development of CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. Uh, and I suspect that as early as this year, they will try to introduce those. They actually tried in 2020. Uh, Laura Lynn, at the height of the COVID pandemic, to uh, introduce uh, these digital dollars. In fact, uh, the Democrats twice in uh, stimulus legislation, where they were going to send out a bunch of checks to Americans and send far more to their crony buddies at the mega banks, um, they actually put in the in the in the bills twice language about Americans should get their stimulus money as a digital dollar. Now that didn't go anywhere because the Republicans took it out of there before it passed. But they've had this agenda for a long time, and I suspect they're going to try to roll it out probably as soon as this summer. I don't think right away they will ban cash. I think they'll try to have these two systems in parallel, cash and CBDCs, but they're going to need some major crises and some big propaganda. So within the next few months, uh, again, I think you should expect big monetary crises and also a relentless propaganda campaign demonizing cash as a tool for terrorists, as a tool for drug dealers, as a tool for human traffickers and tax cheats and all the rest of it. Uh, so be aware. I think that's just around the corner. Hmm. Um, one of the things that we're facing in Canada is this social credit system. And I think that even more in danger in Canada than the United States, because our prime minister, he likes China. He said that he likes that. He likes the way they can control everything. So we've had a couple of people that have not been allowed to bank with a certain bank because the bank did not like their behavior or their thoughts. And some people might say, well, that's deserving because these people said some horrendous things. And my thought is, um, once a bank begins to control whether you can bank there or not based on your morality, then it will ultimately be based on their morality. And for instance, if you think that men can't be women, um, 
if you think that abortion should be illegal, perhaps they'll begin judging you on that. And the, the push towards this is now happening in Canada in our banks. It's happening here in the United States as well, Laura Now, some very, very high profile people have been debanked by their banks. Uh, Mike Lindell, right? Uh, uh, he, he was actually canceled by his bank. Uh, they never gave him a good reason. Uh, I was canceled by PayPal. Um, they never gave me a reason. Um, and so uh, this is already happening in the United States. And you're right. Uh, it goes right along with the agenda for social credit scores. Now, um, Obviously, it's furthest along in China, but I've been telling people my entire journalistic career, watch China because China is the model of these New World Order, Great Reset, Build Back Better totalitarians. Uh, in fact, if you go back far enough in history, what you'll find is that the same subversive organizations that put Chairman Mao in power, I refer to organizations like the Council on Foreign Relations here in the United States, they call it Deep State Headquarters here. Um, not only did they betray our ally Chiang Kai-shek and put Chairman Mao in power, then they built up Chairman Mao's regime as he was exterminating millions of people. They've been building up his economy, building up his military ever since. I mean, these are some of the most powerful people in the United States, the mega bankers, the political class, etc. Um, and communist China is really their model for what they want to do to the entire world. So this, this whole thing of giving every individual a unique score based on their political ideas, their religious ideas, um, that's not coming it's here already uh that be people being canceled based on their beliefs it's here already uh, and it's only going to get worse unless people start to resist and i think one of the most important things we can do to stop it laura lynn is voluntarily stop doing business with these totalitarians start building our own businesses our own institutions uh, we really should not be supporting these criminals and these totalitarians with our money especially when there are other options like um, a separate society, like we have, we could even have our own banks. Do you know up here in Canada, there's the Khalsa banking system where the Muslims have formed their own banking. And I was saying to my husband, are we allowed to go in and get an account there? Because <laughs> they don't believe in interest. So I was like, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Let's go get a loan at our Khalsa bank, right? But do we qualify, you know, because we're not, we're not Muslim. But why can't we be doing these things and really thinking, progressing 10 to 15, 20 years, should the Lord tarry, that we are forming different ways so that we we're preparing ourselves like the, the five wise virgins, so to speak. Yeah, and, and that's already happening, Laura Lynn. It's one of the most exciting things that I see happening right now is that people are increasingly exiting the, the evil system and building their own institutions. Uh, you mentioned banks. Uh, there's one here in the United States now, Old Glory Bank, that's being set up by some wonderful patriots, including some people I know. Uh, and if you go to their website, they actually say the bank that stands with you. We stand for hardworking Americans. Uh, you know, we share your values. And so this is a bank for uh, people who love the Lord, people who love liberty, people who are sick of these World Economic Forum elites and their buddies uh, trying to steamroller over our countries and our liberties and our religious values. Um, and so more and more of these institutions are popping up. Same thing is happening in education, right? Millions of families have fled the government's indoctrination system just over the last few years. And that exodus is going to accelerate. Um, just let the old systems collapse. And, and we need to start building our own institutions. Any entrepreneurs out there listening to this, um, there's a huge business opportunity. Uh, you know, I mentioned I was canceled by PayPal earlier, a bunch of fascists over there. They never even told me what I did. They basically just said, you know, sue us if you want to find out. 
Um, thankfully, I already knew that PayPal was evil and I had already moved the vast majority of my business over to an alternative. And I'm happy to share that with anybody. It's a great Christian company based here in the United States, lower fees, uh, better uh, customer service, and uh, and it's not run by fascists who hate us. So, uh, you know, it, it was a, a real joy to find that it's a Christian company and we've got to start abandoning these wicked, evil corporations and start creating our own systems and supporting people who share our values. That is so good. And I want to correct that the Kelsa banks are Sikh. They are not Muslim. So I got that wrong. Uh, I'd like to show you one clip, Alex, uh, from BMO. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's regarding the bank situation. So go ahead. You may recall during the Public Order Emergency Commission hearings in Canada, Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Christian Freeland, who is an invited guest here at the World Economic Forum annual meeting, shared minutes of her meeting with banking executives on the eve of the federal government's invocation of the Emergencies Act just shy of one year ago. And in those meeting minutes, Minister Freeland noted that Daryl slash BMO, a reference to Daryl White, the CEO of BMO, had actually called for the convoy organizers to be classified as terrorists under Canada's terrorist financing measures so that banks could intervene and freeze their accounts and perhaps seize their assets. Now, I've asked BMO to comment on this and have not received any response whatsoever. But I did run into BMO CEO Daryl White on the streets of Davos and decided to ask him directly why he wanted to label convoy protesters as terrorists. Uh, Minister Freeland said during the Public Order Emergency Commission that you had wanted to call the convoy protesters terrorists to deal with their financing. Why was that? So I, I, I would never call the convoy protesters terrorists. Uh, what, was, uh, what was said was that um, in, in order for the banks to be helpful, there are certain protocols, and those protocols include sanction where we can in fact help in that case uh, otherwise uh, it's not our business to to interfere in the affairs of anyone's finances truckers or otherwise one of the other uh, banking executives on that call had pushed back a little bit and said that they didn't want the banks to be weaponized was that a view you shared oh it's always a view i shared i don't think banks should be weaponized any more than any other industry i think we uh, we have jobs to do and we do it for canadians and i think generally uh, in fact more than generally we do it pretty well did you support the financial measures? Ah, awkward. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when put right on the spot. And these guys are classic, Alex said, just lying right in the camera, um, making, making themselves look good like chameleons in the moment when in actual fact, um, it, it's not good what they did, what they're doing and what they believe. Yeah, I, I think at this point, a lot of these fascists and totalitarians have realized that the jig is up. People aren't going for this, right? In, in the United States now, more and more, they, they, they're whining about, we need a mass amnesty for everything that happened during COVID. Right? Just pretend like it didn't happen. Absolutely, positively not. If you committed serious crimes against Americans, you must be prosecuted. You must be held accountable. Um, and, and, you know, it's so typical to see the people who are involved in this kind of thing lie. I mean, these are people who have uh, no sense of morality, right? How, how could you want to label a peaceful 
protester, a terrorist. Well, that's the kind of person who who has no moral compass and who can then come out and just lie to your face on camera. Right? Uh, we're dealing uh, with people here who don't share uh, the Christian worldview, who don't share the Christian understanding of morality, who don't who don't feel bound by the same ethical system that uh, you know us normal people who who uh, believe in the Lord, who believe in the truth of His Word, uh, actually understand to be true. And so you know, it's no surprise that they'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll steal, uh, and, and I'm increasingly convinced will murder on a massive scale. And we've seen that uh, over and over again throughout the last hundred years and throughout all of human history. Wow, that's really terrorizing, Alex, and, and that is the bottom line, and I think that's why you spend your days fighting so hard. Uh, one of the things that we're seeing is this whole assault against gender, sexuality. Um, we have a really weird clip in BC. I want to kind of show it to you in case you want to highlight some weirdness going on in Canada, but uh, this has to do with, uh, you know, a, a man who thinks that he's a woman, and take a look. 28-year-old Bridget Klein-Simpson has identified as a woman for years and she wants to get into better shape, so she went to the Body Works Gym for Women in Parksville for a membership. Klein-Simpson says she was initially welcomed, but after one workout she was informed she was not allowed at the women's only gym. Saying, sorry, we made a mistake, you're not actually allowed to be here, but you're more than welcome to use the co-ed facility and uh, I kind of just hung up because uh, I was, I mean, I was extreme, extreme devastated I mean there's really no other word for it so here's a guy and he he looks like a, a man and and he seriously believes that he should be able to use women's facilities and this is happening now I've heard of uh, places in the United States too there's also been some some harms that have come to women and the um, international what is it called uh, Miss Universe I think now is is like a, a transgender, uh, a man can now be Miss Universe. Um, it's it's really changed, and it's uh, it's changing our culture. Yeah, uh, and and you know to be clear, th this is such a serious issue. I know there's a lot of conservatives who just say, well, you know, let's not worry about the cultural issues. This is hugely significant, folks. Um, you know, as as a son, as a husband, as a father, I, th I think it, the idea that uh, men would be in the locker room or the showers or the bathroom um, with my mom, with my daughters, with my wife, uh, it, it's incomprehensible. It's ridiculous. It's it, it's so. Um, so outrageous that I can't even believe we have to have this discussion. Uh, the idea that they would teach children in kindergartens that they might have been born in the wrong body and that they could go be castrated to become their true selves. I mean, even just a few years ago, this would have been recognized as a horrific crime, as, as abuse of children. And yet now uh, it happens and uh, people are too concerned to say anything about it. Uh, and I think we need to just go right back to God's word. Uh, Romans 1 is what comes to mind here. I mean, the, what we're dealing with here uh, is, is people who are suppressing the truth in their unrighteousness. Uh, God has made his attributes plain for everyone to see. And when you suppress the truth in your unrighteousness, God hands you over to a reprobate mind. Uh, and, and we cannot as a society accommodate that or tolerate that. I mean, it, you know, it's fine to feel sympathy. God told us to be loving to everyone, including our enemies. We should pray for our enemies and love our enemies. But um, you know, th yeah. there's a different thing between praying for and loving and being kind to uh, and allowing you to go shower with my daughter or allowing you to go shower with my wife. Uh, those are totally separate issues. And, and we, I mean, we cannot allow this to continue, Laura Lynn. It's outrageous. I know it's gone even further in Canada than it has in the United States, but it's here too. And uh, we absolutely must say loudly and clearly that this is unacceptable and it can't continue.
Thank you for uh, speaking so bravely about it too, as a man, um, for standing up for girls, for women, uh, for your beautiful, you know, wife. Um, it's shocking to me that, you know, I am not what I would call a feminist and have never even done one protest in, you know, protection of women's rights. But for all of those that have to see that a man can now take any of our roles, like we're now back to square one and they're not even, you know, battling it or anything. I wanted to put up the Liberty Sentinel on the side uh, profile so anybody can go to all of the amazing things that you are um, speaking about and talking about. Um, I see that uh, Trump is running in 2024 and has put his name forward. I would love to get your perspective um, on this man. I know that many leaders absolutely um, have believed in Trump. And, and how do you think it's faring now? Does he have anything to that he should be, in your opinion, concentrating on as he heads to try to be the president again? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Laura Lynn. I appreciate it. And I, I want to say one more thing about the transgender thing, and then I'll jump right to, to Trump. But, oh, sure. um, you know, what what we're dealing with here is is an assault on the family itself. You know, first it was the, the homosexual movement and they said, we just don't want to be discriminated against. We just don't want to be criminalized. Now we want children. And they said, well, you know, it's uh, two, uh, two dads or two moms. You know, it's not a big deal. Uh, you know, now they're saying that there is no such thing as dads and moms, right? There is no gender. We could just pick our gender. Um, and, and this is an attack right at the heart of family. Children need a mom and a dad uh, to, to really truly flourish. And all the data shows that uh, and so uh, this is, is a subversive movement aimed at annihilating the family, which is, of course, the first institution, the first uh, system that God ordained for the benefit of mankind. And we absolutely must speak out on that loudly and clearly. And so uh, switching over to Trump, you know, I think this is one of his blind spots is that he has not uh, spoken out as clearly as he should. And in fact, even recently, he uh, he embraced this. Um, I call it the disrespect for marriage act. Um, very, very unfortunate, right? Our Congress passed a, a, a fake law. And as our founding fathers said, any law that's contrary to the word of God is no law at all. Uh, but they passed this fake law saying that, you know, any supposed marriage could be, must be considered a valid marriage. And Trump embraced that. Now he's embraced the vaccine thing. So I, I love Trump. I, you know, I've been a huge supporter of him, of his uh, from the very beginning. I know a lot of his uh, closest people personally, uh, his advisors. I've, I've interviewed plenty of his cabinet members, and, and I think the world of them all. But uh, this thing with the uh, injections, you know, it's coming to a head, and he's going to have to speak out against this, or he's going to lose his support. And, you know, I, again, I say that as somebody who has supported him from the start and continues to support him, he's going to have to address this. Uh, just this weekend, he was at the funeral for Diamond. And um, I'm not sure if uh, Canadians are familiar with Diamond and Silk, but two very, very popular uh, TV show hosts. They've got a, a show on uh, Frank's Beach where I have a show as well. And Trump was at the funeral. Uh, you know, they, they filled up a stadium. And um, Silk said, look, you know, my, my sister died suddenly. And, and she very strongly implied that it was from the jab, that people are dropping dead all over the country. And, um, you know, Trump continues to persist in pretending like he doesn't know this is going on. Um, and that's not a viable strategy. And in fact, his enemies know that and they're now taking full advantage of that. So uh, he's got a really easy out here. I mean, you know, all he's got to say is I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. All these clowns in the White House like Dr. Fauci told me this thing was the greatest thing since sliced bread. They lied. They all ought to be prosecuted because they knew that they were lying. So he's got a really easy out here. But um, 
you know, I think he's going to have to swallow his pride and say, look, there are some real concerns here about the safety of these injections. I was just at the Clay Clark uh, Reawaken America event in Tennessee. This is his base, right? I mean, we're talking five, ten thousand of his strongest supporters. Both of his sons were there. Uh, I'll be speaking at the one in Miami coming up in May. Right? These are his people. These are Trump's people. And I could not find one single person who thinks this injection is a good idea. Um, he's going to have to get a hold of this. And I think if he does, he's got a real good shot in 2024. If he doesn't, uh, I think he's going to flounder in the primary and uh, he's not going to go far. So, Wow. It, it's serious, eh? It, you're so right. Um, oh, man. And I thank you for addressing it because I have one guy that constantly writes me and you know, criticizes me for my support for Trump and yet for his position. And I am really torn by that. And I, I think you're right because the facts are all there and his sons are amongst the people who, who do know what's going on and are outing it at the Clay Clark events. So uh, this is serious. Um, Alex, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think that we should touch on? Uh, for viewers, because I'm just so grateful for the generous time you've given us. Oh, I'm so grateful for you having me on, Laura Lynn. It's an honor to be here, as I said. Um, you know, I, I don't remember when the last time you and I spoke, but I, I did go to the uh, UN COP27 climate clown show in Egypt. And um, stop me if we already talked about this, but, uh, you know, they no. unveiled this new Ten Commandments. They walked up to Mount Sinai. I, I was there for this. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers. Um, so, so they unveiled a new Ten Commandments. They did this weird climate repentance ceremony at the top of Mount Sinai. Um, and, and actually, believe it or not, Laura, and I got a 40-minute exclusive interview with the ringleaders of this thing. But what's happening now is the One World Religious Movement is coming out of the closet. They're openly telling us now that all the religions of the world need to unite. Um, and it came through so clearly at this UN climate summit in Egypt. So I hope people are paying attention. Uh, I did a series of major articles for the New American Magazine. You can find those at thenewamerican.com. Uh, the cover story, let me see if I uh, have it here with me. I, I think uh, your viewers especially will be uh, quite interested in this if I can find it. But uh, yeah, Absolutely. here it is. Take your time. It's um, the UN's New World Religion. Uh, so I got a series of three articles in this one about the climate summit. Uh, they came up with this crazy agreement to restructure the entire global economy. Um, they, our, our leaders here in America and yours in Canada basically pled guilty to this insane idea that every time a tornado or a hurricane or a flood or whatever happens in a third world country, it's because we drive cars and, uh, you know, we we built uh, uh, power plants before anybody else. So we need to pay reparations now from, from now until perpetuity. So I hope people will, will read that. Uh, some of those are available online at the newamerican.com. And um, this really is one of the most important stories. That, I, I don't know how it was up in Canada, but I know in the United States, there was almost total media silence about this conference. 126 world leaders showed up, including Joe Biden, and the American media was almost totally silent, Laura Lynn. So huge story. You've got the religions of the world joining this. You've got the businesses of the world joining this. You've got the governments of the world joining this. And you've got little people like me and you saying, no, stop. This is madness. And so uh, praise the Lord. Uh, you know, we've got the truth on our side. We are on God's side. But uh, this is a freight train coming right at us. And I hope people will get up to speed on it. Wow, absolutely. And uh, when we let you go, we're going to talk about the Red Sea corals uh, for a moment, something, you know, so, some people have made comments, but you were just there. Give us uh, give us that just before you go to let us know that, you know, how it's doing over there. 
Well, I, you know, I've only been there one time uh, in the Red Sea, but I got to go scuba diving real quick. And uh, I'll tell you what, the coral there was incredible. So I, I don't know what they're saying about the coral. We ran into several people at this climate conference saying, oh, the coral's dying. And, uh, you know, that was not our experience. Uh, the coral was so vibrant and so bright. Uh, of course, in Australia, the Great Barrier Reef is growing massively. So all these predictions about all the coral in the world dying because of alleged man-made global warming, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, they are not true. And I was very blessed. I just, uh, what, two months months ago to be able to go see with my own eyes. I took a scuba tank, took a mask, went and nice. looked at this coral. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And um, yeah, so I appreciate you having me on, Laurel, and thank you very much. We are so grateful. Thank you for fighting the good fight. Um, Alex, I know that you're just speaking, you know, so many different places and you are such a powerful speaker and a powerful communicator about what is truly happening and letting everybody know. And I I appreciate it. I am so grateful for courageous men in particular because it has appeared to be few and far between. And so thank you for what you're doing. And it's always wonderful to hear what's going on in the world. And I just, I love you. Please say hello to your beautiful wife and your incredible children. Four, right? It seemed like more when I five right okay it's five do you know there's an old bio that says four and i thought it was five it is five right five boys yes. everyone he had five boys so your wife she is she is a hero so keep up the good work thank you alex Thank you, Laura Lynn. The feeling is mutual. Really appreciate you. Thank you for all the incredibly significant work that you're doing. Keep up the, uh, the good fight. God bless you. And hopefully I'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Thank you. Yes, five boys. Um, so I, my husband and I went out to a restaurant with Alex and his wife and five boys. Can you imagine? It was fun. Uh, I just miss those days when my kids were little, actually. So let's look at that clip, JT, of the uh, coral and just see, um, ha have a quick look at that. Is this the coral one? This is the coral one? <laughs> okay, this is the, okay. <laughs> I don't see what this has to do with the coral. Okay, I got it. All right, all right, all right. Okay. All right. Oh, that's beautiful. So that's the, the music of the WEF. Um, they are like, that is interesting, isn't it? Um, so can we do this uh, website then? It's a website video I have here. Uh, one BC man who has been paralyzed by two of Pfizer's COVID shots has received approval for compensation, but a Langley BC man who lost six feet of his intestine due to AstraZeneca shot um, that caused blood clots has been left waiting for over 18 months for approval for compensation. I mean, how are they making these uh, all of these different determinations? I'm not really sure. Are we able to play that video or no? Just a website, yeah. So, I mean, this is interesting. I have to say, everyone, at least there's some compensation being given. At least there is some admittance that some things are going wrong. And if somebody needs some support, that it's there. Because we all know that these vaccine companies, 
And I know it's not a vaccine in, in all literacy. I know that people always say that I call it the vaccine, but it's simply for language. So we understand what we're talking about. When I say vaccine, y'all know what I mean. And these companies have complete immunity. Otherwise they'd be broke, wouldn't they? We all know that. So a lot is going on. I'm a, on a certain platform. I'm just gonna be a little bit careful here. Um, so, uh, number five there, CBC Calgary, your risk of having a stroke if you get your flu shot year after year. Can we take a look at that one? November. Tell us more about that study. Yeah, so the researchers looked at health records of all Albertans, so about 4 million people over 10 flu seasons. And they found that about for about six months after you get your flu shot, the risk of having a stroke is reduced by about 20% overall compared to if you didn't get a flu shot. And your risk goes down even if you don't have the, the sort of typical stroke risk factors like being over 50 or, or smoking, things like that. Even for younger folks, the risk is lower if you get a flu shot. And it's even lower if everybody gets their flu shots year after year after year rather than just a, a single flu shot. I'm hearing a theme here. I'm hearing a theme as well. Um, everyone, beware, pay attention, listen up. Now, I think uh, let's go to the website where they are going to be bringing some Canadians back home, I believe. And the problem here, so Canada agrees to repatriate nearly two dozen citizens from ISIS. Um, detainment camp, okay, well, on first look, that sounds wonderful. So the Canadian government has agreed to bring four men, six women, and 13 infants currently held in an Islamic State detainment center in northern Syria. Um, this comes as a bit of a surprise as the lawyer Lawrence Greenspoon, an attorney representing most of the group, revealed Thursday that the men were originally excluded from the repatriation deal. But on closer look, everyone, when you look, there is um, there is evidence that basically some of these guys, uh, they're trying to say, well, they haven't had any uh, trial, they haven't been convicted, but look a little bit lower in this, in this article. And it says, uh, among the group of men includes Jack Letts, a dual British Canadian national, national who converted to Islam. He traveled to Syria and admitted to joining the Islamic State known as Jihadi Jack. I, I don't want Jihadi Jack in Canada, actually. Just saying, just right there. Um, so he said of himself in an interview with the BBC, he said this, I was definitely an enemy of Britain. Let's also called his decision to join the Islamic State a big mistake, adding, I did what I did. Yes. Well, let's parents who were uh, convicted of funding terrorism <laughs> for transferring money to their son whilst in Syria. So son goes off, you know, we'll help you with your rent. Um, they were sentenced to 15 months in prison in 2019 yet have maintained their son's jihadi jack's innocence. Uh, so they're overjoyed, of course, that he's coming back. Um, I mean, 
Alexandra Bain, founder of Families Against Violent Extremism, similarly dismissed the idea that any of the women or children presented a risk to the Canadian public. So we don't think they're dangerous. Nonetheless, it does appear that, uh, you know, basically some of them have gone over there and sort of em embraced um, <laughs> a different way. I think there's got to be some hearings, um, you know, to, to kind of see what is going on here. If you leave our country and decide to become a jihadi, in my opinion, that's it. Enjoy Syria for the rest of your life. Just a thought. I think our nation should be safe. Um, all right. Um, so Aretha Franklin, we all love her. Um, Aretha Franklin's song, Natural Woman, is now being called, get this, offensive. I wonder why. Take a look. Oh, is it not a video? It's a website? All righty. Um, scroll down. I thought there was a video we could play. No, that's okay. So I can't read it. All right. Nope, not that one. Am I on? Am I here? <laughs> You're doing your own little thing there. <laughs> All right, that's the one. Okay, Standing for Women founder uh, Kelly J. Keene says, it's really hard to ignore the misogyny of the trans rights movement as Aretha Franklin's song, Natural Woman, was recently slammed as offensive to trans women. Being a mom that is also being attacked, we're now called birthing persons or pregnant persons, Miss Keene told Sky News Australia. I don't think many women really know how much we're hated. I, I hate to say it. I don't have a victim mentality, but it's really hard to ignore the misogyny of this particular movement. So right. Oh gosh, look at, look at that picture of Celine. She's very thin. Hmm. I wonder what, what she's missing. It means a man who says uh, that he's frightened to go in a man's toilet, his words are more credible than a woman who says she doesn't want that man in her space. And you know, this, this is a crisis. It's actually a crisis, not just for every, you know, one of us women, but it's a crisis for our daughters. I'm more concerned about our daughters. I'm, I'm tough, so I'll probably say, listen, <laughs> you know, might just let someone know that, that he's used the wrong door. Uh, cause that's happened. Um, I am not trans, but I have accidentally walked into a, a man's bathroom. It, it, it's something I don't like to talk about. It wasn't a pleasant experience. There's things that, that you can't erase from your mind. But, um, the thing is, uh, if you are not making a mistake, but you are the opposite sex, and you have the plumbing that is not befitting of a women's bathroom, then we would like, as women who have wombs, uteruses, breasts, 
It's all a complete package. We would like to be respected for our private space. It's that simple. It really is. Um, now, this is a very interesting thing. I want to go to former House Speaker Pelosi. Uh, so apparently she had priests come into her house to perform an exorcism <laughs> after that last uh, after that last bout with uh, her husband's. Um, so do you all remember this, that her her husband had a, a gentleman who was there, but it was very odd. I heard some reports that maybe they were in their uh, underwear and stuff. And then, you know, when the police arrived, um, Nancy Pelosi's husband didn't seem really alarmed. The guy was sort of behind him and the police came in. So I guess she had that. So can we, can we, can I just read the first couple paragraphs if you could scroll down just a bit? So. Former House uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi reportedly held an exorcism in her San Francisco mansion to banish evil spirits after her husband was allegedly attacked by hammer-wielding intruder David uh, D. D. Pape. So the thing about it is, as I said, nothing made sense about all of this. There's a whole bunch of questions about this entire thing. So. We doubt that this ever happened. We'd like to know the exorcist who performed the exorcism uh, so that we can confirm. It says, in an interview with New York Times reporter Maureen Dowd, Pelosi uh, railed against the party for failing to reduce crime ahead of the midterm elections. So this is an issue. Oh, I can't see it, JT, if you put it small. It just goes back to her face. Well, in any case, I don't know if she wanted a, an exorcism or not through this whole thing, unless I'm able to read the bottom there. But I just want to say for the record that Pelosi, we're glad that you're gone. You're not Speaker of the House anymore. Uh, this whole thing that happened with your husband, it'd be nice to know what the truth really was about all of it. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing. But for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.